Alaska's newsmakers. Action Line, K-I-N-Y. Welcome to Action Line. Ken Smith here with not my guest today is a Senator Jesse Keel. Welcome. Good morning, Ken. And good morning, Ken. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, so um, you're, uh, you just got back from Girdwood. You're in, first of all, you're in your second term. Yeah, but give us a little background again going into the uh, session of your, your past work and such. Oh, sure. So, uh, you know, Juneau voters uh, honored me with a, a, a service on the Juneau Assembly, City and Borough Juneau Assembly from 2011 until uh, until 2019, the very beginning of 2019, because um, when, uh, when 2019 started, uh, I started service in the Alaska State Senate. I had run for that seat when Dennis Egan... Um, uh, decided not to run again. Uh, of course, I had been a legislative aide for a long time before that. Um, started working my first legislative session as a staffer was back in 2001. So, um, yeah, I served four years. My uh, The term that the voters elected me to in 2018, and then this last uh, summer and fall, of course, uh, uh, I ran and, and was unopposed. Um, that's a very strange experience. It's not unwelcome, <laughs> but that's a, a little like dancing with a broom. Um, uh, but the, the voters did return me. Um, because of the redistricting process, this is a two-year seat for the moment. Um, and so two years from now, I'll decide if I think I can still be useful and if I think people uh, want me around and the voters will have another opportunity to uh, make that decision, whether they think I've been useful. Um, and then that would be whoever gets out would have a four-year seat after that. So redistricting threw us off uh, our schedule a little bit. But uh, I'm up for, for two years of work on behalf of Southeast Alaska uh, starting on Tuesday. That's interesting. You went from a staffer to a senator. Well, there was, while I was a staffer, of course, I worked on the city and borough of Juneau Assembly. Um, right, right. There was that, you know, you get to that point where you're tired of working nights and weekends, never seeing your family, and so you just, uh, you run for office. It doesn't have to make sense, Ken. All we know is the medication isn't fixing it. <laughs> so you're heading into the session as a member of the supermajority. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. And you were in Girdwood meeting with your fellow majority members supermajority members. How was Girdwood? Um, <clears throat> Girdwood's a lovely little town. You know, I actually was born and raised in, in Anchorage originally, so um, I used to have several nicknames for it. It's not as weird, uh, Girdweird was one of them, as it used to be. A uh, <laughs> little, little more of a fancy ski town now, yeah, although yeah. it still has that vibe. It was a short trip. Um, we spent uh, a night and then a full day, um, probably... 14 hours total meeting, 12 hours total uh, FaceTime with one another, um, just in sort of a, an intensive retreat to, to build relationships. You know, we have some folks who've come over from the House to the Senate. We have a couple of freshmen who have not served in the Alaska legislature before, um, some folks who've come back after a break. So getting back together, uh, rebuilding those working relationships as well as personal relationships, talking about goals for the upcoming session. Um, and and uh, we had a meeting with the governor as part of that. He came in, talked to us for I, I don't recall exactly, 45 minutes or an hour, um, had some pretty frank conversations. Um, so I, I thought it was a productive um, session and, and uh, helpful to have. So you've returned, now you're preparing. Uh, what, first, let me ask you, what do you seek to accomplish with the supermajority? How, how is this going to impact 
the session. And is this the first time there's ever been a supermajority? No, no, it's happened before. Um, Alaska's, one of the ways our state's a little unusual uh, is that uh, more than once we have put the party labels and the, the team jerseys aside um, and formed these groups that, that just work across the aisle. Uh, and, and the reasons for that have varied through the years. There was um, once, and it was before I worked in, in Alaska politics, so I don't have exactly the details where either almost everybody or even all 20 um, were uh, members of the Senate were in the majority. It was sort of a caucus of the whole almost. Um, back when I was a legislative aide, uh, we saw majorities, bipartisan majorities of 15 and then of 16. Um, <clears throat> it's been done before. What it lets you do is kind of what we teach the school kids uh, is supposed to be how uh, the the legislature works. You put your ideas out there, you talk to people about them. If you can get support for them, they move forward. And if you can't, they fall back. Sometimes with party line organizations, this is a problem all across the country. Um, if, if you're not on the right team, your idea doesn't get a good hearing, right? And and it's there are ways to break through that, but it's hard. With, with a bipartisan group, doesn't really matter as much what what letter is next to your name. The question is, what's your idea? Does it help out my part of this, all parts of the state, the part I represent, or not? Can it be fixed, or does it need to just be jettisoned and put in the trash can? And when you work like that, then you're not thinking about, you know, oh, does this advantage the other guys for the next election? Does this disadvantage my guys? What's the part of it? You put that unnecessary stuff aside, and you can just go, hmm... You know, that idea, I understand why you're pushing it, but it's not good for Southeast. You and I need to talk about that. Or, hmm, you know, that's an interesting idea. I hadn't thought about that. If, if we tweak it this way, I think it works better statewide. Are you, are you open to that kind of tweak? And then you can really get some good work done. So I think um, the possibilities with this bipartisan group are really good. Um, we've actually seen a couple of other uh, legislative bodies elsewhere in the country start to go bipartisan organizations. Not, not many, right? 50 states, most of them have a House and a Senate or the equivalent. Out of 100, I, I think we're up to like, actually, it's not fewer than 100, out of 90-some, um, I think we're up to five or six that have bipartisan organizations. But I hope it catches on around the country. I think it'd be better for the people. How do you think the supermajority will impact votes on bills and passing bills? Well, you know, the interesting thing about it being so big, 17 out of 20, um, it's too big to be a tightly disciplined machine. There's just too many of us, and we're just, we have uh, two different uh, philosophies politically to let that, um, uh, to, to, to sort of get into an organization where votes are whipped and things are, are uh, strictly uh, lined out by the leadership. And we've got a, our leadership team is eight, eight of the 20 members of the Senate. Tell you why what that's going to do. Um, it, it's really going to mean that you have to go out and work your ideas and get your votes. We have an agreement that um, you're not going to be able to do this with just one party's votes. Right? There's 11 Republicans in the Senate when you include the minority, um, and and you have to have some kind of bipartisan support. What that effectively means is somebody from every region of the state is going to have to be with you on your idea. And that's really going to mean um, that we see less special interest type legislation, less really local interest type legislation, and much, much less of what we've seen occasionally through Alaska's history where one region of the state grabs from others, right? 
getting away from those negatives, I think, is really going to help us do better work on on all these issues, right? We have huge fiscal issues facing the state. We still have public safety issues. Um, <clears throat> education has desperate needs. Um, I think we're going to be able to get some catch-up on education funding this year. Heaven knows we need it. You had a town hall meeting Wednesday, I believe, right? Well, this week you had a town hall meeting you, yesterday. You know, we had, uh, I had I had one electronically to Gustavus and one in person here in Juneau, so I got to go back and look at my calendar. Wednesday, Wednesday was the Juneau town yeah. hall. Yeah, how'd that go? It went great, went great. We had, uh, I don't know, 30, 40 people there, um, held it in the DZ Commons. Uh, it was nice to see people face-to-face. That's always uh, good that we're back to normal there. Um, also uh, had an online component, uh, a dozen or so folks tuned in that way. Um, some folks, I, uh, it's always good when you see folks come into those who you don't know, haven't met before, get to hear ideas from constituents who just show up to tell you what they think, right? That's a big, important part of this job. Um, so we had a lot of folks talk to us about a lot of different issues um, and, and really valuable stuff. There were a number of folks from um, the disability rights community, folks who had, you know, a couple of, uh, a couple of senses that didn't, uh, uh, don't function exactly the same as yours and mine do. Um, and they talked about the little bits of help that they need to be absolutely full members of society and live full independent lives like you and I like to. Um, <clears throat> and the budget cuts we've had for the last decade or so that are making that tougher right? That threatened to put people with just a little physical disability in some kind of box they don't need to be in. Um, so, so the need for, <clears throat> excuse me, the need for uh, disability services uh, really came up and we, we had an opportunity to talk about that and what our opportunities are this coming session to do better for Alaskans. Um, we also had folks come and, and talk about some of the problems they see with the state government's performance and where we can and should be doing a better job making sure that the money we invest in services for Alaskans um, is delivering that value to Alaskans, right? Nobody ever wants to see government waste. Nobody wants to see an inefficiency that doesn't serve some kind of other purpose. Um, And so folks brought some examples to our attention, and and, uh, that always is important to keep that focus on making sure that we work with the executive branch and that we're doing the best job. A bunch of other issues came up. A lot of folks talked about education. A lot of talk, folks talked about public safety, right? Some of those that come up pretty consistently, long-term projects that we will always be working on. Public safety, what is high on your radar there? So among the things we talked about um, were, were problems with reentry. Just about everybody who goes into prison in Alaska is coming out, right? And when they come out, we, we all need them to succeed, because succeeding means they don't make another victim. They don't make another law-abiding Alaskan a victim, right? What are the things that help with that? Well, you got to do something about the addictions and the mental health problems that, that contributed to their making mistakes or bad decisions, committing crimes, hurting people, depriving people of their property that got them into prison in the first place, right? So they serve their sentence. Are they coming out in better shape or worse shape? And when they come out, do they walk out the gates of Lemon Creek with no place to put their head that night? Because if you've got somebody with mental health issues that are untreated and addiction issues that are unaddressed, and they walk out those gates with no place to put their head, man, Ken, it's not long before they're looking for some way to dull the pain and the fear. And that's that's heading, heading them right back into a cycle that they're going to have to support with somebody else's money or where they end up violent again. Now we got more victims, right? I'm... 
I'm not fond of the idea of spending a bunch of public money coddling people who, who committed crimes. I do need them not to commit more crimes and not to make more innocent people into victims. So things like reentry housing, sober housing, right? You think about it, it was, uh, boy, has it been 10 years since Haven House opened in this town? That's a huge service, right? But I think it's 10 beds, 12. It's not, it's not as much, it's not, we're not meeting the need. We're not filling that gap. Um, Clinkett and Haida has opened some more transitional housing, right? That's helping, but it's not meeting the need. And statewide, we are way, way behind. So if we really want to do right for Alaskans, we got to set it up. And look, not everybody who comes out of prison, even if they get the supports they need, is going to succeed. And those people will go back to prison. That's okay. That's that. Let's send them there. But the ones who can, let's get them back to living independent lives where their work results in their money and their families get some support and they can live and not make anybody else a victim. And you have not just Juno, but Sitka and Ketchikan are the other two big communities that are also wrestling with this same problem of public safety. Having been in Sitka the past year, I can tell you firsthand, there are homeless people there, there are drug problems there, and there are people going to jail there because of this. And they don't seem to have a system in place that's strong enough to handle it. You know, what you're describing, Ken, I'm, I'm, I wish I could say it's just a Southeast thing. What you're describing is statewide. This is a statewide problem. And in the last few years, we have been cutting our investments in behavioral health services, right? In mental health. Well, mental health and addiction are are just closely linked. If people can't get the behavioral health services, the treatment they need, you know, people self-medicate with stuff that's illegal and stuff that puts them out of control. And here we go, right? Now we're down this cycle. And not everybody has a caring family. These things don't necessarily mean crime, but if you don't have a family who can help you out and, and support some people... But I tell you what, it's a it's a short hop to the problems for other for other Alaskans. So around the state, we do need more addiction treatment. We do need more mental health treatment. Those things cost money, right? We partner up with nonprofits. We partner up with uh, tribal entities. We try and stretch every dollar as far as we can get it to go. But when the state has been cutting our investment in those things, no, there's nobody to pick up that slack. Except you and me, when somebody breaks into our house or breaks into our car, right? That's not picking up any slack. That's just shifting the cost to, to the victim of crime. So we've got a lot of work to do. I, let me say one thing. Governor Dunleavy, with whom I sometimes have disagreements, just appointed um, Jen Winkleman, who is a longtime Juno person who has worked in corrections, right? Probation, parole, understands the needs out there for the safety side, right? keeping the dangerous separated from society, but also the reentry side, keeping those who are going to come out in the best position or getting them in the best position to be successful when they're out and not make a new victim. Just appointed her as the, the permanent co- uh, commissioner of corrections. Um, and, and that'll take a legislative confirmation vote. Um, do we see every single issue the same way? We don't. Is she smart and hardworking and knows that department? She is, and she does. I think there's an opportunity to work with her on some of these issues and do a better job. So I'm, I'm excited at that prospect. Excellent. Senator Jesse Keel joining me on Action Line. We'll continue our conversation. When we come back, we'll talk to you about what's on your agenda for bills that you'd like to see passed and what you're working on. And there's a lot of freshmen this year. You want to talk about that as well. And there's another little issue out there called abortion that needs to be approached. We talked about that off-air 
a week ago. Perhaps we could shed some more light on how that's going to be attacked or not in the legislature this year. Welcome back, Action Line. Senator Jesse Keel in studio as we talk about everything legislative related, including this year there's a tremendous amount of freshman legislators coming in, and you had lunch with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a huge amount of turnover this year in the legislature. Lots of new faces, um, two brand new in the Senate, as well as some folks coming over from the House. The House has 19 technically new. Two of those are, are uh, I joke with them, I call them retreads, right? They've been in the legislature before. But still, in 17 brand new faces, folks who, who haven't lived in Juneau before, most of them, uh, haven't worked in the legislature. Many of them don't, haven't worked in municipal government, although some have. So brand new perspectives, brand new ideas, uh, brand new possibilities, but also folks who maybe need a little help navigating. They got some lessons to learn. So you have, I mean, like so many things in life, you have both great possibilities and some risks. Um, and and the, the risk uh, always is that the, the old bulls and the, the people who really know the insides and outs of the system and how to work it um, will, will cork them off, right? We'll just sort of tamp them down and take advantage of what they don't know and, and roll right over them. That's a risk when you have a few freshmen. When you have almost half uh, of the house... Boy, I tell you, you, if they stick together on stuff, you you can't roll over them. You don't have the votes. So um, they're a fascinating group. Um, How many? Well, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> with with seventeen brand new faces, uh, you know, you really have, uh, and and they're Republicans or Democrats or Independents, <clears throat> but they have shown themselves to be willing to think outside the box and bring some new energy. And that's just, I think, what the voters in their districts elected them to do. So as you look at how the House is trying to organize, pick a speaker, and who's going to chair the committees, um, you are seeing them say, well, wait a minute. I know that's how you've always done it. Why why do we have to do it that way? Why don't we do it this other way? We think we'll work better. And people have to to actually work with them. They're a force to be reckoned with. I, I think that's a good thing. Now, it's also a big challenge, right? Those folks, um, you know, we have to educate them about why Juno is the capital and why that, you know, zombie bad idea of the capital move is has always been shot down when people dig in deep. The learning about state government, which can be complex, right? Our relationships with the feds, our relationship with local government and tribes that they're drinking from a fire hose. Right. And there's they're making uh, real time decisions, real world decisions on behalf of their constituents while they're learning. So there's there's a lot to do. But those freshmen, um, we got to know some of them better and we're trying to build relationships with them. Um, yes, yesterday, as you said, um, Sarah Hannon, Andy Story and I just had them to lunch. This is a tradition that got started a few years ago by the Juno uh, legislators. Bring the freshmen in the first year of a legislature to lunch and just talk, right? No business agenda, just start to get to know them, right? So you start to get to know people personally, right? And I met somebody, we talked about our kids. I met somebody else and we talked about his business, which by the way, has a Juno storefront, right? I uh, didn't know that. So we got to talk a little bit more about his connections to our community, and then we talked about his community. Um, Somebody else I talked to, we talked about uh, our spouses. Just getting to know people personally is a great precursor, building a little relationship, because sooner or later, I'm going to be in their office saying, hey, I got a bill and I'd like your support. They're going to be in my office saying, there's a thing in the budget and I need your help, right? If If you know somebody and they're not just a letter and a community, 
um, a party affiliation in some other part of the state, well, then you have a better basis to talk and to actually work. Well, we'll keep an eye on that, see how it impacts this year's uh, sessions and bills and the votes. Let's talk quickly. We don't have to go into great detail because there's going to be plenty of time to talk about this over the next 120 days. Abortion rights, opposition, pro-choice. There are bills that are going to be on the floor addressing this for the women of Alaska. Yeah, this this is an issue that people are absolutely passionate about. And with the United States Supreme Court um, overruling the Roe versus Wade decision, um, some of these decisions, many of these decisions um, about whether the government will be involved in the, those those choices, whether or when to become a parent, um, those come to states. So Alaska's constitution um, has, I think, the strongest right to privacy that I have seen. It is explicit. It's written in black and white. You know, the U.S. Constitution, there's a right to privacy acknowledged there, but it's not black and white letter law. So our courts have said, the Alaska Supreme Court has said, and consistently over decades, our right to privacy includes medical decisions, and that includes a woman's decision when she wants to or whether she wants to become a parent. Um, and, and so we actually have a lot of laws on the books in Alaska that are not enforceable because they violate our constitutional right to privacy. Um, you will see people uh, pushing bills about this. Uh, I know one constitutional amendment has been proposed. Um, as I have talked with my colleagues, I do not see folks, um, a large group of folks, deeply interested in changing what we have in Alaska today, which is a little bit weird, right? We have laws that are unenforceable. People don't want to repeal those. We have a constitution that says the government really doesn't have much to say about this. The the, the human beings involved have to, to decide their medical decisions. And, and there's not a lot of interest in changing that either. I suspect that we stick with the status quo in Alaska, which is, which is pretty clear that... Uh, a person decides when or if they become a parent, whether they keep a pregnancy all the way to term or whether they end it um, themselves in consultation with their medical professionals, and that the government has just about nothing to say about that. Very, very little to say about that. I, I suspect that is where this stays in Alaska. And, and to anticipate the next question, I, I think that's correct. I think that those medical decisions need to stay with the individual. We're running out of time, but I'll quickly let you bring to the front here what you're working on in your own bills. Well, um, you know, I can talk about the legislation I proposed uh, long enough to put a cow in a coma. I don't think we have that much time. (laughs) I'll give you a couple. I have reintroduced a bill um, to create an address confidentiality program for people who have survived domestic violence or sexual assault and are still worried about their assailant or their stalker uh, and need to pick up and restart their lives. Those people need to be able to vote, enroll their kids in school, pay property taxes without creating a public record that tells their attacker or their stalker where they are. My bill would give them a way to live their lives fully without putting their address out on the internet or out in government forms, right? I also let law enforcement and correctional officers participate in that. I'm hoping to get that passed. Another bill I have reintroduced is a pension bill. Alaska desperately needs, at the state level, at the municipal level, desperately needs the chance for public workers to earn a pension, right? They don't get Social Security like the private sector does, and we are losing people 
and you and I are paying high turnover costs out of our tax dollars here at the local government and out of state dollars at the state level um, for those turnover costs. We need to compete with every other state in the union, and today we do not. The votes have gotten better in the Senate, which doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but I think we have the potential to get back to a pension, and that's going to make a huge difference for public servants all across Alaska. And that, as a capital city, really brings a benefit to us. Last thing I'll say, because I know we're just about out of time, the City of Juneau Welcome Reception is open to the whole public. You, your listeners, their moms and dads, everybody can come Tuesday night, 5 p.m., at the Elizabeth Paratrovich Hall. You've always had it in Centennial in the past. You probably automatically go there two blocks over at Elizabeth Paratrovich Hall. Please come. Welcome all these new people to Juno. Let them know we like having them here as the cap and be in the capital city and serving all Alaskans. Um, and I hope to see everybody there. Excellent. Senator Jesse Keel joining me today. Thank you, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. Have a good day, everybody. You've been listening to Action Line. I'm Ken Smith.